What you need to take down a slimy dragon man is nine meat shields and a love life so hot it shoots fire. I'm Sam. Love is fleeting, but Kroll is eternal. I'm Tyler, and you're listening to Stinker Madness. What's that smell? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty as fuck. Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty as fuck. Hey, look at me! Yuki! Thrill me. If you come back in here, I'm gonna hit you with so many rights, you're gonna beg for a left. Thrill me. Beg for a left. Thrill me. Hey, look at me! No more! Hang on! It stinks. Hello and welcome to Stinker Madness, the bad movie podcast for bad movie lovers. I am Sam and with me is Tyler for the first time. How are you, Tyler? I am deliriously tired, but I'm excited. Deliriously tired. Uh, Tyler went to the closest thing that films uh, Idaho has to offer as far as film school, which is funny because <laughs> we went to BSU and uh, went to like it's sort of like the poor man's film school, but I ended up going down to the University of Utah and almost going there for graduate school. And I, Tyler's probably gone around to different places here and there as well. And in my many travels, I found out that we went to a better film school than most actual film schools. <laughs> Utah had nothing that we didn't have at BSU except one nicer camera. I'm going to put that on my next, uh, my next job application. A better film school than you think it would be. Yeah. And that will actually make sure that you don't get the interview. <laughs> Another film school guy. Fucking put that one in the shredder. This is a, we, we just need another cook. Yeah. Are you going to fucking talk about Nietzsche? No, we didn't go to that kind of film school. <laughs> We're going to talk about Jürgen Habermas. Cause that's the kind of film school we went to. Uh, would you like to plug your album? Oh, sure. Uh, I play in a band called the Max Beefwater Band, and you can find it online by searching uh, Max Beefwater. It's the only one. Very similar to searching Stinker Madness on the internet. However, if you're listening to this, you've probably already done that. However, if you want to give us feedback, you can email us at talk at stinkermadness.com or Facebook forward slash stinkermadness. And I think the Twitter is the same thing. Why did you pick Kroll, Tyler? Because um, it, it had been long enough that I'd forgotten all of the key plot points. And after watching it, I remember why I forgot all of the key plot points. I'll burn a question now. Are there key plot points in this film? That's debatable. <laughs> well, I guess we'll debate that later. Uh, this was one of the most expensive movies ever made at the time that it was made. No, 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 no. Stop. How, how I would, I didn't look it up, but I just assumed that this was like a shoestring budget. I'm guessing no more than $4 million. $30 million in 1983. No, no. 30 million reported. It's possible that they got close to 40 in the same way that uh, Lucas got to 40 on Empire. 
where, where he spent the budget and then found ten million of his own money and spent that too, and then didn't report it. Uh, well, the, they definitely didn't spend it on the sets. They did. No. So did they build a real mountain? They shot some location stuff. Here's how this shit storm happens. Ron Silverman is at Columbia and he wants to make a big special effects picture. Dino's going to do the same thing the following year with many of the same people in the same place with Dune. And this and that will make science fiction, large budget films completely fucking off limits until Lord of the Rings. <laughs> science fiction and fantasy is in the toilet because of these two movies tanking as hard as they tanked. Uh, that's all Silverman knows that he wants. The visual effects are there now. The studio space is there. He has the money, but everything goes over and they start with a script they didn't like, but it had special effects written into it. So they kept it and then just started writing around things they thought would look cool. And that's the essential failure of the film. I think as it, near as I can tell from reading about it. The Peter Yates, the director, spends a year with concept artists and pre-production, getting all of this stuff together, and they end up using every single resource in the vast Pinewood Studios, including the 007 set. They used the largest studio and then the 23 other sound stages to make this movie. That's is literally blowing my mind. They... I- I cannot believe that they had that kind of money, yet the special effects look so bad. This what what this movie looks like is it looks like somebody went and saw Star Wars and said, "Hey, people want swords that have sparky laser things in it, and one's colored blue and one's colored red, and that's how you can tell who's good and evil." And uh, I don't know, the rest of it really doesn't matter, but let's just have the swords with the flashy things. That's exactly what Ron Silverman said. I think I think you've just channeled him. Uh, that's really the key problem with writing around special effects rather than adding effects to good storytelling. They concentrate on things that they thought would look cool that didn't add to the story. The action is completely action in action. Uh And all of the special effects are not wow impact moments. They're like, wow, you spent money on this rather than good choreography and fighting. In the defense of Peter Yates, they spent a long period on choreography and they couldn't do any of it because the costumes for the uh, bad men, whatever they're called, slayers, the slayers. Yeah, yeah. The costumes for the slayers showed up pretty much the day before shooting and people couldn't move in them. So they had to scrap pretty much all their choreography and just make it up as they go along. Yeah. Well, they, it definitely looks like it was choreographed by Stevie wonder. So yeah. If you notice the visual effects really go downhill towards the end, like there's a, there's a midway point where things looked pretty good and then they stop looking so good. They start looking really bad and just get worse they were all so psychologically destroyed by the production of this film that Peter Yates said, fuck it, everybody take three weeks off. And when they came back, they fucking mailed it in. Ah, okay. That, that makes sense. I mean, really the best sets, anytime it was on an actual location, it looked like a movie. Anytime it was not on a location, it looked horrific. 
the mat work was particularly bad at the end and particularly good on the front end. <laughs> I know exactly what spot that you're talking about because you can actually, it's like when they're at the very end, when they're running across that bridge, you can see the green screen wall, like not totally matted out in the back. Any of the uh, work with our hero, the guy that was in nine episodes of Deep Space Nine at one point, because that's what happens when you star in this movie. His matting at the end is just god-awful. It's just horrible. Uh, but there's some sequences on the front end where you're like, whoa, they're really doing a good job. And it's like every time I watch this, because I, I seem to space it out five to ten years, I've, I've seen this movie a lot. I have the same exact effect. I'm like, is this actually good? And then halfway through, you're like, nope, this is a turd. Because it just it just falls apart little by little until it explodes about halfway through. Yeah, it, it at about the halfway mark, it seems like it's almost kind of turns into a different movie. And then every 30 minutes until the end or every 20 minutes, it's like it almost seems like you're watching a completely different movie. It's like we're fantasy. No, we're sci-fi. No, this is action. Uh, I, they didn't really try very hard for the comedy thing, so we can't really give that one to them. I feel like they really tried too hard for the comedy thing and none of it was funny. The wizard sucks. Oh, he's terrible. He looks he's like just uh, awful. He looks like the poor man's Roger Waters. Like, <laughs> yeah. I also thought the Cyclops really kind of stole John Paul Jones's haircut. <laughs> I was that, like, you gonna, you gonna play a bass solo on that trident thing you got there, bud? Yeah, it would have been better if he killed Slayers by uh, uh, playing an organ solo in a fog. But I guess the spear works. That- that would have actually anything besides what happens on screen would have been better action. The kid throwing tinfoil at the Slayers and yelling lightning bolt, lightning <laughs> bolt would have worked better than what actually happens through a lot of the movie. You're wondering why the Slayers who have gun swords and let's just say it right now. Gun swords are stupid. Uh, decide to engage in sword fights with people they could just shoot. And you're like, just shoot them. Oh, you don't no. Have to, you can't walk fast. Why are you going to go up there? That's the only way you can get killed because you're so immobile. But if you just stand there and shoot these guys with swords, they'll all die. What is going on here? See, I, I thought they were gun muskets. Like laser, oh, so laser you get, muskets. What? You get the one shot and then and then you got to use the bayonet, you know? Or it's like it takes like a minute to charge. I don't know. They're stupid. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Uh, they're silly. The last thing I'm going to mention about the making of the film is that when it comes back being a pile of crap, Silverman makes good decisions that aren't good, that a producer always thinks are good, executive producer decisions to overdub some of the voices with other actors because it's going to play well in an American market. So Lizette Anthony gets overdubbed and so does Robbie Coltrane. Uh, in one sequence, we'll see Robbie Coltrane as his stuntman because the horse business, I guess, took so long and went so over that they couldn't keep everybody around for it. It was just a disaster. I was surprised I didn't read anything about people getting killed in that horse stunt sequence because that was all dangerous shit. Yeah, it, at one point you see a guy literally leap off a rock onto the back of a horse and fall off of the horse. 
but it looks like that must have been the best shot that they got of it, so they just kept it in. Liam Neeson does his own stunt where you can clearly see his face, and he tries to grab the horse by the neck and swing onto it, and he doesn't quite make it, so he just bear hugs the horse's neck. And that horse runs into a pile of other running horses, and you're like, Liam Neeson didn't make it. Uh, He has a very specific set of skills, and one of them is not horse riding. No, in this movie, his very specific skill is getting shot. (laughs) Uh, The funny thing about Liam Neeson in this movie is he's probably about the ninth best actor in it. That's not good. No, no. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's at least Oscar nominated. He's got to be the only one that's Oscar nominated, possibly Oscar winner that was in the movie Kroll. And yet um, he just he, has, he hasn't quite gotten there yet. I think some of the Pinewood people probably have BAFTAs. The guy that plays through for Hyatt, if he doesn't have a BAFTA, he's got the uh, Shakespeare Award because that guy's fucking great. Uh, the last thing I'm like, this is actually the last thing I'll mention about the making of the film. Um, it's barely connected, but, uh, Lizette Anthony, the main actress, uh, at this time had met, uh, young Harvey Weinstein. Ooh, yes. I, I heard who was about this writing, uh, I guess, uh, doing music reviews or something like that. And he's like, I need to get into the movie business. So he goes to her house and rapes her. Yeah. So that's how it's not just that he is that despicable it's like he used rape to get into the movie business it's mind-boggling yeah it's crazy how long that's been going on for because i was like wait a minute this was 1983 and he's not even in movies yet he's just a fucking rapist like is he in prison yet has that happened is yes okay good god i think they just settled for a very large sum of money with uh with a, a, a large group of women. All right. Well, let's get into this movie. It oh, starts. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Can I, I just want to say something about it real quick. Sure. My three and a half year old daughter loved this movie. The first time I saw it, I watched it a couple times trying to make it good because it had everything I thought that I wanted in a movie, but it just sucked so bad. And it was like, when I was that age, too, you only get to pick one movie a week. Or it's really like, for me, I think for a long time, I was like, every two weeks, I'd actually get to pick a movie from the video store off the cheap rack. And it was this one one time. And it, it was, it's been disappointing for my whole existence, I guess. So much so that I watched it probably 15, maybe 10 times. And uh, I didn't watch it on Pluto, which is where you can see this movie if you'd like to for free. I watched my own special edition DVD copy because I like it that much and I'm still not sure why. It's like a, what do they call it? Self-flogging? Like when you're the guy that's walking around beating yourself in the back? That's what owning this copy of this movie is equivalent to. The film starts and you go, my God, this music is amazing. The title sequence is like two minutes long. The title itself is visual effects, and you're like, holy shit, they've pulled out all the stops. And it's, this might be James Horner's finest work. It's really good. But then everything else happens. 
A, a movie like this, which is um, filled with bad special effects, could be saved if uh, if the acting was was there, and uh, it's not. It's not. The writing's not there, and the purpose of the visual effects is completely missing. Which we are now greeted with some visual effects that are fairly ambiguous because I wrote down noisy asteroid. Wait, it's a spaceship. I've seen this movie 10 times and I keep forgetting everything about it. Yeah. Wait, is it kindling? No, it's a fortress spaceship. That thing doesn't look good. Or it just looks like it's not what it is. I don't even know. What does it look like to you? Uh, it looked, at first it looks like an asteroid and then you're like, it's a spaceship. And then you're like, no, it's a giant tree stump. Tree stump is good. I had kindling, but tree stump is probably better. And then, uh, you've also seen this movie, uh, 10 times before, uh, or a hundred times before, because it's also the opening shot in every star Wars movie. Yes, it is. And that's the first of 50 similarities to star Wars that... (laughs) This movie has. Then we're, we're, uh, we get a really nice painting of the tree stump with the only good matte work in it because they get left enough black space that it actually can't see the edge of it. And then the, the uh, slayers come out of that and there's some pretty good sequences. You're like, oh, wow, is this going to be good? And then the acting starts. You're like, no, it's not. We find out that... Uh, our hero, the guy from nine episodes of Deep Space Nine and Lizette Anthony are going to arrange a marriage to form an alliance of the two great kingdoms, and that way they'll be able to defeat spacemen with guns, even though they have swords and horses. And uh, the at first, when the main... What do, what's his name? Colwyn? Colwyn? Solwyn? It's just Corwin. Corwin. Okay. Yeah. So when he first shows up, I thought he was the, I thought he was like the bad guy. Cause he seems like kind of a dick. He does seem like kind of a dick and he's dressed like a shitty barbarian. Some of the costumes are extremely well manufactured. I don't know if I would say they're good looking, but they're extremely well manufactured. Others are like his. It's just fucking rags and some dumb shit glued to it with a hot glue gun. Yeah, I've seen uh, better costumes at a Guar concert. There's hardly better costumes than at a Guar concert. Let's be real. That's true. I probably put the bar a little high there. I do notice, and I uh, I think I've mentioned a couple times on the program that I play the Destiny franchise. These is the uh, the hive is straight up just this shit. As I'm watching it this time. Post playing Destiny for five years, I'm like, holy shit, the Taken King expansion is just all of the good ideas from this movie that were poorly executed, executed a lot better. But the visual is like, no, they fucking, this is straight up where they got this. Holy crap. Nice. Yeah. And everything that this movie didn't get from Star Wars, it stole from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, so how how old were you when you first saw this? I had to be like twelve. Okay, did you like it at the age of twelve? I I forced myself to like it by watching it twice because it was my my only pick. 
You're like, I like, I like Conan. I like Star Wars. I should like this. But so I, I didn't actually see this movie until I uh, was an adult and it was on the early days of Amazon's or not Amazon, but Netflix's streaming service, you know, because when they first launched streaming, they didn't exactly have this grand library of uh, of fantastic uh, Oscar winning films and, uh, you know, and all of these well-produced documentaries and, and TV shows. They had uh, basically a bunch of garbage. And so it was just kind of an entertaining thing to go through and find, like, you know, just things that looked silly. And that's how I first discovered this one. I ran into the used copy of the DVD at Hastings, which no longer exists. And I think it was like two ninety nine or something like that. And beyond that, it was when they had their once a month buy to get one free. So it. Yeah, even though I'm like, oh, I got to have it, I was only willing to spend about $2 on it. During that same period of time that you're talking about in the fledgling Netflix streaming when it only had crap on it, I watched it constantly. That's what almost every Saturday, a friend of the program, Roman, and I would just watch shitty movies all day long on Netflix. It was great. Uh, Yeah, I saw it a couple times on there. Well, the wedding is going to go, even though both of the fathers are too grumpy. They're just super (laughs) grumpy. Like, we should just fucking kill each other and get this over with and save these spacemen some trouble. Uh, Begrudgingly, they allow their children, who seem to be madly in love, to get married. But spacemen crash the wedding. Yeah, there's a uh, surprisingly, uh, I was going to say a l- large lack of, but it's a, there's a really small uh, guard detail at this very important event, or seemingly very important event. Two kingdoms are coming together, and they're like, hey, uh, there's also these aliens that are here killing everybody. Uh, how many guards should we get? I was like, I don't know, like 10, 12. Well, the one king says he had 300 men when he left, and the other guy was like, well, I sent 20 to help. I think they're just all dead. Like, everybody's just dead. Yeah, this is a very uh, small population planet. At this point, why do the spacemen even care? Uh, I guess we'll find out later. It's because the giant space monster has a slimy boner for this lady. Yeah, so, uh, that's that. I might describe how I felt about her in the same way. Oh, well, she was in Playboy in 1988. If you, uh, you know, get a wild hair later, I will. Uh, the other thing I noticed, like in the very first scene that she's in, like, did Beauty and the Beast actually rip off this movie? Because, like, she looks exactly like Belle in the Disney animated series, which that came out what in the 90s. The yellow dress and the hair. I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is Beauty and the Beast. I didn't notice that, but you now that you say it, that it is an, there's a striking similarity, especially in the cut of the dresses that she wears. Absolutely. Do the spacemen even need to crash this wedding, I guess? The only reason is to steal the girl, because it seems like they've already killed everybody. There's really no point in more killing of everybody. I, I just don't understand why they're 
Like this guy's like, oh, I'm going to kill everybody. Like you, you seems like you already did. There's like 50 people here because that's all that's left. Well, I mean, if I'm going to fly a space tree to another planet, I'm probably going to kill everybody there. So as far as the movie goes now, the plot totally makes sense. To this point? To this, up until this point, it makes sense. Uh... We now see action, not really, uh, because the costumes are bad. It's just sort of some people getting shot a little bit, not very much. Sword fighting that doesn't really work. And some of the worst wire work I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. After the spacemen shoot everybody, including our hero, uh, Tufer Hiwat from Dune, even though that's next year in <laughs> time. Shows up and puts some pink cream on the guy from Deep Space Nine's arm. And he's okay, but he's still a dickhead. And this is the first time we get a look at his tights, which are an abomination in filmmaking. Yeah, the no one actually, you know what? I will give to Liam Nason in this one. He looks pretty cool. We haven't gotten to him yet. He's not in here yet. But just saying, out of all the costumes, like if you had to pick one person to be in this movie, I'm going Liam Neeson. I bet Neeson's sort of rearranged his stuff to make himself look kind of badass. They like gave it to him. He's like, I'm not going to wear it like this. I'm going to wear it like, like this. And the director's like, yeah, fine, whatever. I already <laughs> want to shoot myself. I've only done... Uh, serious pictures, comedies, and westerns. This is way outside of my expertise. I don't know why I've been off this much. I can't chew it. So we get the uh, the inciting incident, which is uh, the wedding is crashed. The uh, the space people take the lady and uh, seemingly defeat and kill her. Actually. This film gets kind of gory at, at like a few key moments. They do not hold back. No, they don't. In fact, there's some controversy as to whether this should have been PG-13 the whole time because of the violence. But the probably the blowback is, is that like, well, no, all the action's stupid. This is PG. Wait, this movie was PG? It was G in England and Australia. Wow. So it knife through the neck and blood everywhere is a g-rated movie i'm gonna go ahead and guess that ron silverman blew everyone at the uh mpaa to get it rated there uh yeah well that would make sense well now they're questing and so after some consternation, Thufur Hiwat takes Deep Space Nine guy and they start wandering around looking for a castle that magically disappears and reappears in a different place. Never the same place twice every day. Seems dubious. Uh, and while they're talking about one thing or another, good looking sets ish, a guy flies into a pond and starts making not comedy for the rest of the movie. <laughs> he's Ergo the Magnificent, and he's a, something of a magician. Uh, Thuford says, oh, he's a hill people. They, don't, they can't do anything malicious or some crap like that, so he can only use his magic for the powers of not comedy. Yeah, he's uh, the C-3PO character. C-3PO, that's, that's, don't, 
That's be- that's mean to C-3PO. Well, I know, but I mean, I'm just saying as far as, like, he's the attempted comic relief. He's also kind of a moron, and he also has things that are against uh, his protocol, I guess. His magician yeah. protocol. It's also, like, of all of the things this character isn't and the actor isn't, it's mostly that he's not Monty Python, and they're like, look, we can get all of Monty Python in one character. Yeah, well, he sounds like he should be in a Monty Python, and they're like, well, that's good enough. He turns himself into a goose, and then that dries him off, so he's not wet anymore. That's the only reason I feel like he does that. Dude, my daughter thought that was hilarious. Really? Was, like, so- making sure we were looking at the television. <laughs> Dad, 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 look, look, look. I was like, yep, yep, it's a duck. Or a goose. Or a goose, yeah. I, it's weird what kids like and what they don't like. Uh, I saw the new Mary Poppins with my daughter, and I was, like, appalled by it the entire time. She loved it. Yeah. It's like, this is bad. You should have watched the original. The So this is also the first glimpse that we get of uh, the crayon-made Cyclops. Yeah, he's just sort of standing there like, hmm, I'm watching you guys. The special effects look like they, um, for the Cyclops, it it literally looks like they just melted crayon on top of someone's head and then stuck a broom up there in one of those googly eyes that you get at the craft store, like just right in the middle. Yeah, this is an extremely limiting costume as well. This guy can't really be seen doing much ever because he just can't see shit at all. And it's very evident in what you see him actually do in the movie. He, sh- he Whenever he has to shake somebody's hand, which is like, oh, I'm a Cyclops, let's shake hands. I'm like, whose idea was this? He doesn't know where their hands are. And the other actors are fucking stupid. They're not just grabbing his hand because he can't fucking see. I, I Who's directing actually, this shit? I was actually really impressed by that. I was like, how did that guy see his hand? Because the other, the guy that can see stuck his hand out first. Yet somehow, I mean, the level of choreography that it took just to get him to look natural while he was shaking his hand, that, I was pretty impressed. I'm going impressed on that. I think it was impressive that he was able to recover from not being able to see and immediately grab, but you can just tell that he's like, where's your fucking hand? You, why am I not doing my hand first and you grab it? This doesn't make sense to me. Who's, who's directing this shit? And Peter's like, what? I, I'm on vacation in the Caribbean. Fuck off. I hate this movie. <laughs> we get our first attempt at some uh jodorowsky style videos uh or visuals um with the queen princess whatever she is at this point is in an eye set and it looks pretty cool but that's the only cool part of the inside of this there's there's some like really good features to the inside of the tree but it doesn't work well together. It's sort of like having spaghetti inside of, or having a hamburger inside of a bowl of spaghetti. It's just not going to work. Like a hamburger on a bun with mayonnaise and just putting spaghetti all over it. Sure, both things are good on their own, but you probably can't eat that. As I said that out loud, I'm kind of interested to try it, though. And I was like, that's what we're having for dinner. Hamburger spaghetti. Yeah. It's- when I heard about spaghetti tacos the first time i was like 
That's too, well, no, I'm going to try that. And I'm like, man, this is fucking good. Yeah. All right. Should we just switch over to a, uh, a, a stoner cooking podcast? Stoner <laughs> cooking podcast. Uh, there's a bunch of wandering around. They run into the meat shields, the most dangerous men left alive that are all ex-convicts. And after some banter, they join the king's quest and wander around some more until they go to a magic rock that turns into a green door that they go behind. I loved how like they uh, they're like, oh, we're an army now. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're getting an army, but it's just like seven people. I think there's nine of them. It's it's more than a shitty kid in tights and an old man with a stick. So they're doing better than they were. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'd, I mean, it's less than a platoon, but I guess if your population of your planet is under a hundred, that's, that counts as an army. It's at least a raid squad in chains. Yeah. Uh, they meet a wizard who can't see anything, but he's a seer because he can see, Magic stuff, just not with his eyes. And he's got a kid, I guess. Not creepy, I guess. It's not creepy for this old wizard to have a kid with him. Um, in the in the middle of the of the the of a foggy bog, inside of a magic rock. I mean, it's not good. But I mean, if you know nothing about fantasy, like that's. And you were like sitting down to write uh, a, f- a fantasy s- script. That's like the idea that you would come up with. That wizards like young boys. And like there, he's like, no, he's blind. He's in a bog, but he's the seer, but he's blind. You know, he had to give that up for it. Actually, the one good twist that I did like was the explanation of the Cyclops. Was- that is an interesting uh, thing. We can just do that now because they grab the wizard because he can't use his magic in his house. That's a magic rock to see the future. So he's like, well, the slimy dragon guy is too powerful. I have to go to some other place. And they're like, why didn't you just say that from the beginning? It would have saved us some time. And then they wander around. And that's when we find out that. The what's the Cyclops' story here? The Cyclops uh, was regular people, and then they gave up one of their eyes so that they could see into the future. Except, here's the twist: the only thing that they can see is their own death. Dun dun dun! Uh, it's a good idea. It's just lost in a sea of meh. And when they when they try to bring it around uh, towards the end, which we'll get to, it doesn't exactly pan out in like a way that tracks with that story. About that, they kind of just throw it away. But anyway, we'll we'll get there. Unfortunately, we have like four more. Se- God, this movie was long. It was it's so long. two hours long. Oh, we'll I couldn't get believe to it. that at the end, but. Uh... Here, Rel joins their quest because it points now this guy that's the king, Corwin, he just says things and people are like, okay. And like when he picks up the wizard, 
instead of really like talking him into it, he's like, well, our need is great. And the wizard's like, okay, grab my kid. Let's go. And then his cell to Rel is all men need company. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm going with you. We really had to talk those convicts into going with him, though. <laughs> Everybody else is like, fuck it, I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, and he's also like, oh, hey, you could, uh, here's the key if you want to take those uh, those chains off. And they're like, hey, we like these. They make noise. Yeah, he, had to, he had to bargain with those guys. Uh, they wander around more. There's more wandering. They wander through a swamp. They almost get stuck in the swamp. The seer has to sit down, so they go to save the other people that are stuck in the swamp. And then a shapeshifter comes and kills the wizard and turns into the wizard, or he's already the wizard. And uh, now the wizard's dead, and you're wondering, well, they're not going to be able to find it now, I guess. That sucks. But he's he he tries to kill the king rather poorly and gets killed by the Cyclops, who had found the seer's dead body in the sand because the shapeshifter didn't do a very good job burying it in sand that stuff sinks automatically into. Yeah, the the quicksand that uh, just vomited the uh, the complete body back up. Yeah, and it's like Bleh, this guy's too old. But and then it gets to this. It turns out there's one more way that they can find the uh, the magic tree stump fortress, which is uh, this guy knew the old man with the stick knew this lady who lives in a cave uh, with a lot of uh, stretched out cotton balls on it. Yeah. He's like, there's one other way I can go to my ex-girlfriend's house. Maybe she's my ex-wife, <laughs> but she's being guarded by a large spider that we could probably easily kill with a cyclops and his magic spear and nine action men. I must go alone. He didn't want to so be embarrassed by her telling stories of, uh, of, of back when they were younger. And this is Francesca Annis, who will be Lady Jessica next year, and the other reason we couldn't have science fiction for 20-some-odd years. <laughs> it's not her fault, and it's not Freddie Jones's fault. They're on-screen dynamite. I, Freddie Jones is amazing. He's, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's really, really good. Uh, they apparently were lost loves, and he had to go do a thing, so he left, and she was like, oh, you knocked me up before you left, so I killed our baby, and now this spider has me trapped in here. And I have magic powers. And that doesn't really make sense to me, but I'm just going to let them have it because we're like already an hour in and we're like, they need to get to the goddamn castle already. So just do something to make that happen, please. What a dark turn. Dear Lord, I couldn't. The explanation It's like, we have a kid. And he's like, how come you didn't tell me? And she's like, I killed it. Right when it popped out, she's like, I killed it at birth. I ripped oh. it out of my womb and then pulled its head off. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, when the first time that I watched this, when we got to that part in there, I I was thinking in my head, I go, uh, I know the twist. This is going to be a Christian movie, isn't it? <laughs> like no. the, the, uh, the twist is that they defeat the, uh, the beast because he reads the Bible and becomes suddenly empathetic. Like, towards all of the people i was like i know i've seen this i know how this is gonna work out 
Uh, yeah, so she breaks her hourglass, I guess. That's going to help him, and he uses the magic sand to... If you show the giant white spider that looks like the Cyclops could really fucking kill this thing with one throw. If you show it magic sand, it like freezes. It's like freeze tag kind of. Uh, So he makes it out and then makes it down the hill and then dies from the hike because he had to go alone. (laughs) I mean, makes sense. Also, I love to... I love that the spider, like they, you can obviously see that they reused the same shot multiple times. So on the way in and the way out, you're just getting the exact same shots of the spider, which is what baffles me as to where this $47 million or $30 million or something went. It's like everyone must have been flying on like private planes that were loaded with cocaine. It was the 80s. Like, and that's where like 90% of the budget went. No, it's because it's Columbia who's making this that used every resource at Pinewood. They had to rent out all of Pinewood for months. Pinewood charges a lot of money. Regardless of how you do with their resources, that's up to you. But if you want all of it, <laughs> You're going to be the one of the most expensive movies made to date. And that's what they did. One of their big mistakes. Uh, what what does he die from, though? Like, what is it? Like, his, uh, a, her sand? A broken heart? Or were their sand? Was it their sand? <laughs> I don't were know. They, they were tied into it together. So when she broke it, that's as much time as they had left to was. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't explain it. It's. Uh, it was completely uh, pointless. It it's like you. This is one of those scenes that you can tell that like uh uh they went and they were writing it and they sat down with the producer and he goes, you know what we need? We need a big spider. This scene needs like a spider in it, like a really big one. And they're like, I got right. I guess. I feel like some of the stuff that they had. They're in the middle of making it. They're short on resources and they're just pulling shit out of the bargain bin down at Henson's down the street. I feel like this is a spider that they got out of the bargain bin at Henson's. Yeah. Like a a thrown away uh, uh, Muppet. (laughs) They have a pile of that person got fired models that they sell cheap. Yeah. And that's where they got the, uh, the white spider, which uh, doesn't really do anything. Well, after he leaves, it climbs onto her egg house thing and starts making it glow. I guess that means she's dead. Well, the spider has lost its purpose. I wonder if the spider died, too. We'll never know. We'll never know. Then we get to the thing we've all been waiting for. Yeah. They make it to the... Wait. Okay, this okay, this was the other part that my daughter cuz this is about this is what I was thinking the whole time I'm like, okay, there's a planet and this thing disappears every day and reappears somewhere else on the planet, but it's all within like a day's ride on a horse. Uh there's an asshole that did the math on this on the internet. We'll get to the fire mirrors in a minute, but before we get there, I will say that the distances calculated, those horses go 145 miles an hour. Yeah, so, like, 
the the castle just i mean the if you're gonna have a power like a protection power is like disappear and show up somewhere else you probably want to go like a little bit further away than like whatever the next town is yeah I mean, we're at least outside of the range of 145 mile an hour horses. Does he even know where they are? I don't even know. And where I'm hung up on this scene is, is that the guy is dying and he's like, it will appear in the iron desert. Did that happen when he was talking to his, his wife or ex-wife or whatever? Or did, was that, I, I missed it if it did. Cause yeah. I, I don't remember her saying where it was. She says the Iron Desert, but then like the final location is revealed of the fortress and it doesn't exactly like look like a desert or a desert made of iron. It doesn't look like either thing, no. No. But but then we get to what I might say and my daughter will definitely agree with me is the best scene of the movie. The Megaforce part? Now the uh, the the fire mages. Oh yeah, that's the mega force part. Oh okay, yeah. It's yep. where we're at. We're past the halfway point in the movie now, so the the visual effects have deteriorated at an amazing rate. And this is where the mat work is probably the worst. And it looks like the parachute sequence from Mega Force. And then they're riding them. They ride in line for a while, but there's one shot where they're riding them all spread out, and there's fire behind them, and you're like. You know, Megaforce just did all this shit and tanked just as hard like three years ago. Like, and they, if you, they know if the visual effects are so bad that they keep 90% of it off the screen and you just get a flicker of it in the corner. It's, it's bad, but they ride these horses 145 miles an hour to the desert after the, we kind of already talked about the dangerous horse sequence that put the movie over budget and over schedule and almost killed people. And Robbie Coltrane wasn't even there. So his stunt man had to do the face shots. That was a, just a debacle. The rounding up of the horses is a complete debacle, but they do it. They ride them to the damn tree castle thing. And uh, it's all bad. And it takes forever. That's oh, the other part. Like It's so long in an already long movie. Everything takes too long in this movie. Hey, you know what but I will say? There. Is uh, what, what's it? Co- Calvin? Cohen? Ca- Colwyn, I guess. I'm Colwyn. looking at it on the internet now. He, you got to give it to him because he is incredibly enthusiastic at every corner of this entire movie. That guy is nothing but smiles. Yeah, he's smiling at some stuff that he shouldn't be smiling at. Hey, sometimes you need that person in the group, you know, that guy that's just overly optimistic about things and like and he helps carry all the Debbie Downers and naysayers along and It would be nice if he was better at raiding because they get to the fortress and uh raid one oh one. Take out the snipers. The snipers are up in the doors. They're shooting at him. They're shooting. They shoot Robbie Coltrane. He doesn't make it. And he's like, you're right. The journey was worth it. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You just wandered around for two days and got shot. How is that fucking worth it? Well, that's probably all he's done for his entire life. So before this, I wandered around aimlessly without getting shot. (laughs) (laughs) My life has meaning now. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Not a single death scene in this movie uh, has any emotion to it at all. And none of the people seem to really care that anybody died or they get over it within like two seconds. Well, one of the real problems is that everyone that dies dies in such an indignant manner because they're supposed to be these heroes. But to this point, they're all inept warriors and then they just get picked off standing around. So you can't feel bad for a guy that's like, okay, we've got to raid the castle. There's snipers everywhere. What are you going to do? I'm going to stand on top of a rock so they can shoot me. Yeah, I mean that's 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 probably about what my strategy would be too. But then again, I'm not a hero, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh the Cyclops has decided to break his vow of seeing his own death or something and he's riding a horse with bad mat work for a while. And he shows up and they're like, "Oh, good. Somebody with good armor showed up to the raid because he gets shot and it doesn't even phase him and he stabs one of the snipers he's like take out the snipers first red 101 and uh then he holds the door open that's gonna close so they all get in but then he gets mushed (laughs) you're like fuck can somebody not suck balls as a warrior in this movie uh he gets uh crushed for a very long and elaborate time it's like, no, people are running out of breath saying no. And he's yeah. like, I'm being smashed. And then I'm s- still being smashed. And then at some point, like, uh, you know, Colwyn, like, just gives it. He's the first one to give up. There's two guys trying to trying to save him. And then he just goes, nah, fuck it. The Cyclops is getting smashed. Like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> after pretty, the lady. He's pretty mush. And maybe he just doesn't want to see. He's like. Yeah, we can't do anything about it. I'm not going to watch this guy get smashed. I can't take that. I just can't watch. He's going to pop, too, and get all over us if we don't get out of here. Then then the other guy that does watch him get smashed all the way, uh, just when he tries to es- uh, escape down the hallway with the rest of everyone, he does like uh, a really poor somersault, which he can barely stand back up from. And uh, somehow... St- this is one of the other ways that this movie's a lot like Star Wars is uh oh, we also missed that there are two sons. And oh, that yeah. uh that all of the uh all of the slayers like really can't seem to hit very much. Yeah, it's like if the stormtroopers were fighting Jawas. That's that's what these battles are like. <laughs> We've only seen the aftermath of that. You know, the Jawas seem to not do well against stormtroopers, but it seems like stormtroopers get shot by virtually everybody else. Yeah, and uh, can't just can't seem to uh, you know hit anyone. Uh, they special guards in the tower wear white. I guess that means they're better at. Not shooting people. They don't do a good job once they get in. The private guards seem shittier than the other soldiers, to be honest. But the castle teleports now, so they've made it before it leaves, just barely. And uh, they can resume their raid, which is to just... Liam Neeson pushes his buddy, Alan Armstrong, out of the way and gets shot. You're like... 
Will one of you do something action-packed before you fucking die? (laughs) I mean, you did more than anybody in this movie. You did save someone. You pushed somebody out of the way before you died. I'll give you that. But it would be great if you could maybe kill one of these guys that can only walk about a mile and a half an hour and seems to only have one shot that isn't very well aimed. Yeah, they're they're pretty slow. Also, when uh, when 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 Qui Gon goes down, also he's got the like the Jedi braid, the Padawan braid. He does. Does uh does George Lucas steal from Kroll? Did it come full circle? Was it Liam's idea? Yes, you're it's right. Got, it was. That's all the the only the one common link between the two. With somebody that's known to make their own choices. <laughs> he he does a pretty good take that, Ben Kingsley. And if you haven't listened to all of our episodes early on, we did uh, Slipstream with uh, Mark Hamill speaking of Star Wars, which is a really fun time. Uh, finding a good copy of it is almost impossible. Uh, ben Kingsley does the worst on-screen death in film history in that movie. So you know, on the show, whenever somebody does a, a shitty death that's better than that, it's take that Ben Kingsley. And this is a take that Ben Kingsley because I'm not really sure that he died. <laughs> it's like they, they cut to a shot of Alan uh, Armstrong, like grieving him. And then you hear him in the back. are like, I'm still dying. You're like, are you going to die? Yet nobody defeated the, uh, the slayers in the background that shot him. He just... They push him out of the way again. It's the one shot thing. I don't know what the slit. They were waiting for the gun, the uh, the spear musket laser to uh, to recharge. The slayers are around the corner at cover point, going, "God, I wish these things would charge up faster, Steve. Don't you?" It's like, "Oh yeah, are those jackasses still around the corner?" I think so. The one guy's just not dying very fast. They, uh, like, and then there's a, the only booby trap that happens in here is the floor opens up, not to like a pit of spikes or lava or anything dangerous, just to like kind of kid slide into the basement. Yeah, the basement doesn't seem like a bad place to be. I feel like they all should have just slid down there. Also, uh, Coleman tries to save the kid and the shitty magician. And it's obviously a very safe short slide, but he has them rope him down. Yeah. Why? It It's only like five feet below there. And then he gets halfway down and he's like, nope, I don't want to do that. And he comes back out and almost gets smashed. And you're like, what are you doing? Yeah, someone in the props department probably spent a lot of time on that rope. And they're like, hey, man, Steve spent a lot of time on this rope. So we should probably figure out a way to get it, get it into the movie. They're like, really? He's like, no, it came with that fucking spider. (laughs) After wandering around more inside, uh, we find the magic egg room thing that the princess queen is locked in. And now it's finally time for the big payoff of the glaive, which they've mentioned. And he throws it. It sort of does its own thing. It's going to cut her prison open. And boy, does it take a long time to do it. Ugh. 
takes a really long time. It took so long that I couldn't tell why a tiger was suddenly in it. Yeah, the one of the problems with this movie is it forces you to check out and you miss things. Because <laughs> <laughs> this I didn't miss. Like, I missed the thing where the lady tells him where the castle is. Uh, Ergo, the Magnificent, turns into the tiger because the slayers are coming and he wants to protect the kid. And... This one of the slayers shoots the tiger in the arm. The other ones just like watch it kill them. I guess they don't shoot tigers in this castle. Yeah. They also, what's what's with the noise that the slayers make when they get killed? Like, whose whose idea was it to make them scream horrifically? Like, I feel like it's a little. They slowed down. And added some modulation to R2's scream, is what that is. They're just retreading. Oh my god! They're just retreading some sound effects. You're right. R2. It is just him. Yep. And then for some reason they were like, they're like, hey, remember when that thing popped out of the the guy's chest in Alien? What if a thing pops out of these slayers? Yet they like, you think that's gonna come into like into play somewhere later in the movie? That when the slayers get killed, this little thing jumps out of them and goes into the ground and comes back and it creates like an infinite army because they just keep respawning. But no, nope. yeah. which is one like that thing is another they they do that in Destiny and they take that idea into good places. It's pretty much the same shit with the hive. But uh, yeah, it, none of the interesting things are expanded on and all of the bad stuff is really just stared at by the film. It's, it's quite hard to watch at points. Uh, after the glaive takes like six or eight minutes to cut a hole in something that a sword, you could probably, I think you could just punch through this. It doesn't look very tough. Uh, he then uses it to like cause a cave in, I guess that's going to help him somehow. But then the dragon man shows up. And if you want a good look at this guy, just look at the poster, because you're not going to get a good look at him in the film. He didn't uh, look, I guess, all that great, so he's always in the dark, and they blur him and all sorts of stuff, but he's really tall uh, and slimy. He's like King Kong. He's like King Kong size tall, but you're right. Like when I, when I looked at the poster again after, I was like, oh, well, that thing actually is pretty scary. Choosing to focus on the wrong things again. Yet his uh, his his only attack move is to stand there and uh, he's like fighting a like a original Nintendo system boss, you know, where he has like one move where he stands and then he shoots a really slow ball of fire and then he jumps up really quick and you just got to like duck it and then jump over and hit him in the head and he's done, which is. Essentially, kind of what happens a little bit. It's what happens in video games. I feel like there's a lot of like video games where like they made an arcade game of this to tie in with the uh, movie, which tanked horribly. And I believe the arcade game it didn't do as bad as ET, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't think that anyone wanted to play it. But the other like things in video, like having to just fight a giant guy and that happens in video games all the time it's just that you usually fill them up with cheap bullets and that works better than 
letting the Sharukarang do its thing. Because I just don't feel like Colwyn is controlling this thing at all. I feel like it's got a mind of its own. Yeah. I, I the um uh the fantasy uh what is it, Chinese star throwing That's why I called it star. a Sharukarang, sh- because it's like a Shuriken and yeah, a boomerang. Yeah, yeah. But it's also like huh. self aware. Yeah. And uh response to uh the force, I guess. Like, because at the end here, he, he gets force powers. And... Yeah. I can't tell if he thinks he's controlling it and it's just doing its own thing or if he kind of is willing it to do stuff. But this is where the movie is like, you finally get to see the awesome Dragon Man. We're not really going to show you him, but that coolest weapon ever that you saw on the front, now you get to see it in its full glory and you're like, this is all stupid. Yeah, there's there's no point um, when the guy's using the fantasy throwing star that you think, a, even as a kid, I would have been like, oh my goodness, I want one of those. Like, it just looks it silly. It just looks silly and it's dumb. And he should have been using it the whole time. Well, you'll know when to use it. Yeah. Yeah, like on the snipers? On the snipers. Or any time that people with guns are shooting you. Also, Raid 101, pick up their guns and use them if you don't have guns. How how many people died because he forgot that was in his pocket? Everybody except for three. <laughs> Yeah, there's a high body count for the um for the good guys in this movie. They're not every single good guy that you get introduced to other than yeah, basically three or four people like just end up dying before the end of it. Uh eventually the glaive Sharukarang will decide to stab the slimy dragon man. And he goes down. Colwyn then's like, I want my super awesome thing back. But it's like, no, I'm going to stay in this guy, which is why I think he has no control over it. Because it knows, dun, 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 that the slimy dragon man is not dead yet. Because he tries to pull it out and the dragon man gets up. So the Sharukarang is like doing its best to kill this guy. And Colwyn isn't helping. So his wife, I guess, or his fiance is like, no, it's our love that can beat him and then they remember that they can shoot fire out of their hands <laughs> yeah i uh i didn't qu- i didn't see that coming i gotta be honest that uh, i'll give it to the movie a little bit i did not see like a giant flamethrower just suddenly coming out of their hands but yep I guess once they do the fire ritual, he can just shoot fire willy-nilly whenever he wanted to. And if they would have done that at the beginning of the movie, this would have been a lot shorter. Yeah, well, yeah. Had they done it at the beginning, you know, the movie would have been 20 minutes long and hailed as a masterpiece. But uh, <laughs> but they thought, like, I don't know, like, how long are movies regularly? 90 minutes? I think we can do two hours we, of we this, We can do two guys. hours of this. Uh, he burns the dragon man down and then he shoots the wall of the rock space tree, which can travel through space and teleport, but fire 
puts holes in it something fierce. Yeah, haven't you ever burned a hole in a rock with some fire? No, no, I haven't. I I feel like that doesn't happen. It has to be really hot. <laughs> Maybe his fire's that hot. I don't know. It, it would be blue though, or white. I it's ah, uh... uh, that would have been too much special effects. Well, uh, they make it out, and there's the kid, the wizard, and the one leader of the criminals is left. And so Colwyn makes him the Lord Marshal. And the movie's over. And so we're two hours of my life. So what happens? My first question is going to be, are these the only survivors left on the planet? Yeah, they're all going to have to, uh, you know, reproduce with her to help rebuild the population. That's what I took Yeah, everyone else dies, and it seems from the wedding party that is all dead. Nobody's left alive on this planet. Just these people. He's the king of nothing. I guess he killed the dragon man, but at that point, does the dragon... It's like, well, now what? Yeah, they didn't like go on to free all the other people that have been enslaved enslaved by the dragon man they're gonna go back and clean up the decomposing bodies and live in that castle i guess like you know they legit they just left all the bodies from the wedding party yeah uh my next question is the big one would cutting this to 90 minutes help it or hurt it hmm that's interesting my initial reaction is to go, yes, of course. If there's one thing that I learned from film school, it's shorter, 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 shorter. You got to cut all the crap out of it. But if you cut all the crap out of this, would it be worth watching? And I'm going to say no. No, I agree. And I think they already hit hit this thing with the scissors pretty hard. I bet that there was probably because of just reading about the production going over in every direction that the working cut, the first cut was probably like three and a half hours long. So they probably hit this thing with the the razor blade pretty hard already. And yeah, if they start cutting bad stuff out, there wouldn't be anything left. And if they start cutting the scenery out or any of the other scenes, it's not going to make any it, well, it doesn't make any sense now, but it's going to make less sense. I, I think it would be unviewable at 90 minutes. Like, I think that they did come up with the best version of the movie, and it's this. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, if if it was a 10-minute sequence of them riding these horses, would it be better than if it was a 5-minute sequence of them riding the horses? Because the 5 minutes felt like 10 minutes. yeah. And even though it's like, oh, we could cut all this out. I don't know. You can cut any of it out because it's not that all of the pieces are too long. It's that they seem too long because they suck. Yeah, there's not like there's not a lot of. I. So the, I just say the thing that was like my absolute favorite about it. This entire movie is anytime the goofy ass Cyclops shows up. I'm like 100% dialed in, focused, interested. I love it. 
And then anytime the Cyclops is not in there, I'm wondering about all the bad choices I've ever made in my entire life that led me to this moment <laughs> sitting here on this couch watching this movie. Yeah, and they don't even utilize the Cyclops. When it finally comes down to it, he gets smushed by a rock. Like, that's the most badass guy in the movie, and he got mushed by a rock. What the fuck? Yeah, well, he saw it coming. <laughs> it was his choice. Which they didn't even really bring up, you know? Yeah, I guess that's... I don't know. Uh Dune does a little of the same thing a year from when this is made. And it does, which I think the new Dune, just from the trailer, because it's like the trailer wants to address the fact that Duncan Idaho is nobody in the first Dune movie, and he dies so indignantly, whereas he's a very, very big part of the book series and a very badass dude in the first book, even though he gets killed. Uh, That's why they cast Jason Momoa. But that thing they do wrong, the one part that they do wrong, there's many parts that do wrong in Dune, but the the mistake of Duncan Idaho that Dune makes, they make with every fucking character in this movie. It's horrendous. Which will lead us to our final recommendations. Uh, it was your pick, so you'll go second. Um, I want to say don't watch it, but it's just such a fucking disaster that costs so much money, and it's basically a piece of film history for that reason. Also, even though it is two hours long and it completely blows ass, it blows so much ass it's worth watching. It blows so much ass it was worth me buying. So I'm giving it a do, even though it is a little tough to get through at points. If you are a fan of things... that are inexplicably so terrible that you can't avert your eyes, then you will absolutely love this movie. Yeah. If, if that's what, then you yourself will also one day own a copy of this movie and force other people to watch it. <laughs> I think the reason we had, we hadn't, cause I was like, man, I feel like we've already done this. And I looked at the movie list and we hadn't done it. And I'm like, okay, didn't we do this? And the reason was, is that, we were struggling years ago on whether we were going to do it or not. And so we watched it and it's rare that we do like a pre-screen on a movie. That's how wary we were of this film. Uh, we watched it probably four years ago, maybe five. And I forgot completely about all of this until I'm watching it again. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember why we're just not ready to actually put our eyes on this thing again yet. And I was finally ready to put my eyes on it, but It's just the weirdest movie because I've seen it so many times and you fucking forget everything that happens in it after five years because it's such a mess. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's very easy to forget. You know where I bet a bunch of the budget went into was uh, Cohen's uh, beard. Like a whole rack, a whole pallet of beard balm. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it was a real beard. I think that was, I think it was fake. It was just, it was too perfect. His IMDB photo is the Cole photo or Kroll photo with the beard. So I don't know. It's. Oh, he's never, he's never shaken this movie, has he? No. Lizette Anthony shook it, but she had to do Playboy to shake it, basically. (laughs) And like dire hair. Yeah, she got put into uh, English Rose characters for the next 
however many years. And she's like, the only way to get out of this and escape the disaster that was Kroll is to rip my top off and get in a magazine. Hey, we all got to do what we got to do. I, I think it was probably a good decision because I would like to shake this movie out of my life. And if I could take nude photos to, uh, to, to rid this film from my, uh, my memory. So then, essentially you're actually giving I, I it a do don't, it. which is totally fine. Cause I think a 50, 50 on this one is acceptable. Yeah, I, you know, but I think, I think you got a good point on there. It's probably one of those things like in about 10 years, I'm going to have forgotten enough about it that I'm going to force someone to watch this with me again. Yeah. It's a weird one. And the, apparently your daughter loved it. So now it's like, well, I got to watch it again to see if my daughter likes it. Ugh. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, is she, uh, she is three and a half. So she's got short term memory. So. So you'll end up watching it again with her? No. (laughs) All right. Well, that's our episode. 50-50 do don't on the crawl. Next week, I don't know who's going to be on the show next week, and I don't know what episode we're doing next week. But we'll probably, Justin will probably update the Facebook and the Twitter feeds accordingly with what's going to happen next week. Uh, For Justin and Jackie and Tyler, I am Sam. Get to the chopper. (laughs) 